pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 220. Today I'm going to chat with Jim Ryan from Liberty Gun Lubricants, discuss the latest news on ATF's rulemaking changes, highlight another gun company moving to warmer climates, and talk about two crazy stories involving fire. I'm your host, Ava Flannell, and speaking of warmer climates, I am happy to announce that I'm actually taking my first vacation in years, which I know you guys are probably thinking like, well, I travel all the time, but it's usually always for work. I haven't actually taken like a vacation for myself in forever, but I'm going to Arizona. In fact, by the time the show comes out, I will actually be back, which, you know, rule number one, never tell somebody you're going away until, you know, just, just in case you don't want somebody robbing your house. But yeah, so I'm going to Arizona. It's supposed to be like eighties, nineties, and I could not be more thrilled. That sounds pretty welcoming. I know. I know. I'm sitting here as I'm sitting here with like a space heater and it's not even that cold. (laughs) But I also finally started like kind of working out again. So this morning I woke up at 5 a.m. to do a 6 a.m. bar class with my friend. And I got to say, like, it kind of sucks when you wake up and it's still pitch black and then you're driving and it's still pitch black. And you're like, what am I doing? But I definitely felt really great afterwards. So it was worth it. But I think why I'm also so cold is I haven't had a chance to like jump in the shower. I'm probably Mm -hmm. like sweaty and then it's cold (laughs) i just thought of that i'm like that's why i'm freezing yeah well that's kind of what sweat's supposed to do (laughs) yeah i know (laughs) i'm like okay reverse reverse anyways all right so before we get into the show real quick i want to talk about smith and wesson So if you guys are looking for like an awesome, fun, like 22 AR, you should definitely check out the MMP 15, the 22. It's great for affordable training since it's the same size as a normal MMP 15, but a lot lighter since it has so much more polymer. The other really great thing about it is if you've got kids, it's perfect for like teaching them to shoot since it's both affordable and super adjustable. And as well, you know, it's also lightweight and it's not going to cost a lot to shoot. Although 22, I mean, it's still pretty expensive, but you know, it's a lot less than your typical calibers out there. You can collapse the stock all the way for the young kids to fit their length of pull. So, you know, it's comfortable for them. They come with 25 round mags, backup iron sights, and options for optics in different colors. They start at 475. Like I said, they're pretty affordable. Check them out at smith-wesson.com along with a ton of other great guns. I think they're actually coming out with some pretty cool stuff here shortly. So be on the lookout for that as well. Learn the things you never knew on deconstructing the industry. All right, time to get into it. So Liberty Gun Lubricants. Before we start talking about that, I'm curious as to like what got you started in the firearms industry. Well, you know, I I grew up in New York City um, and for some reason, I just kind of was always uh, um, enthralled with guns and intrigued by them, Um, even though obviously it wasn't something 
you know, could get my hands on very easily. And I'd spend my summers in upstate New York near Lake Ontario and would have the opportunity being in the country to shoot a little bit and um, kind of just cemented, you know, my love for firearms and hunting. And then when I decided at uh, 18 to go into the army, my recruiter at the time was trying to talk me to become a heavy equipment operator and because then I could get a, a real job when I got out. Um, but I'd, I'd have none of it and I went into small arms. Um, so I had an MOS in uh, small arms repair and a secondary MOS in ammunition storage specialist. Hmm. So, you know, after I did that, when I got back home, New York just wasn't for me anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I lived there, I don't know, when I got out, maybe close to a year. And I just realized after being all over the country and, and having been to West Germany that, you know, I just didn't fit in there anymore. So it was a little bit before Christmas um, one year. And I just decided I'm going to head out West. And I had been to Washington State. And um, I sold my car to a friend. I packed up my duffel bag. I bought a plane ticket. And I headed to Washington State with like 80 bucks in my pocket. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. That's crazy. That actually just like scares me thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, you could do it back then. You know, it's, yeah. it's funny because I remember my brother just telling me I was out of my mind. And, you know, and I told him, I said, well, worst case scenario, I might be calling you collect bottling for some Western money for a ticket back. Yeah. You know, but I went out there and uh, I got hold of uh, some folks that I knew from the military and crashed uh, in a couple places and uh, went into a local gun store and they had an indoor range and I convinced them to let me try gunsmithing for them. And, you know, that worked out really well. I was able to save up the money and I got a small apartment and I didn't have a car at the time. And in the town we lived in, I had to walk about 40 blocks every morning um, wow. to get to work and, and go back. Um, and I did that for about a year till I could afford a car. But uh, it was great because, uh, you know, not only did I hone my skills, but uh, the guy I worked for, he was an interesting guy. Um, you know, a lot of people kind of thought he was a bastard, but, uh, you know, he, he understood the business, especially on the retail end. And, you know, he would drive home the fact that, you know, a gun shop or a range is a lot more than just selling guns, because even back then, there's not a lot of money and markup in the guns themselves. Exactly. Um, it, it's all the accessories, whether it's lubricant like we do or ammo, scopes, holsters, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and that's something he always kind of drove home and, and I got a real good understanding of. So then after I had done that for a while, I started kind of becoming more interested class three stuff mm -hmm. and uh not a lot was uh, allowed in washington state at the time destructive devices were allowed suppressors you could own them at the time but it was like gross misdemeanor to discharge a firearm with a suppressor on it <laughs> and uh, short barrel rifle short barrel shotguns were okay um, so i started manufacturing stuff like that i got my first ffl on my own and my uh, title II. So uh, I started uh, evolving into suppressors because I was always kind of interested in that and did that for a couple of years. And at the time, uh, Phil Dater, who owned uh, AWC, 
lived down, I think, in New Mexico, and I was uh, reading a copy. I think it was Machine Gun News at the time, which eventually became Small Arms Review. And uh, he had a little advertisement that he had moved to Boise, and he was doing sound testing for companies that would be interested. And so I gave him a call, and you know, we took some of our first suppressors over. We drove from Yakima, Washington, to Boise, and uh, um, he tested our stuff. And you know, and of course, it sucked at the time. We, we thought it was great stuff, but mm-hmm. um, we now we had hard hard numbers and. But, uh, you know, we talked quite a bit and, and we just sort of hit it off. And uh, after, I don't know, maybe about six months of exchanging ideas back and forth and talking about stuff, we decided to form GemTech. I, think, I can't remember what year we formed it exactly, but um, it was myself, my partner, Mark, and then Phil. And then about a year later, uh, Greg Rocka, who owned GSL Technologies, joined the group and I had been commuting from uh, Yakima, Washington to Boise, which at the time was about a seven, eight hour drive. So I'd spend a, about a week in Boise, go home for about two weeks. And uh, after about a year of that, it just got to be a bit much. And, and then we made the move to the Boise area, you know, and then, uh, you know, kind of Gemtech was one of those, you know, the overnight success that really took about, you know, good, you know, seven to 10 years to become that overnight success. But pe- people don't see, you know, all the hard work that goes into something like that t- until you're well known. Um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, and from there just kind of evolved into, you know, other firearms doing salting for people, um, you know, manufacturing leather goods um, and uh, slings for the military. We had done a big contract and then uh, on to oil. So I, I've, I've, over my entire adult life, I've been in the industry and, and from a lot of different perspectives. So, mm-hmm. you know, it gives me kind of a good idea, you know, if I'm developing something new, you know, where things are going and what I should be looking at. Yeah. But that's how I got, that's how I got my start. Wow. That's so interesting. I actually had no idea that you were one of the original owners of Gemcheck. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, you know, that was back in, in the real heyday when things were starting to kick over into, you know, what is probably the modern suppressor. Yeah. You know, there was a handful of companies at the time and, you know, every couple of years there'd be a whole new surge of companies. And then within a year or two, most would be gone except for one or two. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of stiff competition and, you know, at the time, it, it seemed like, you know, a lot of the companies and the people involved didn't like each other. But truthfully, you know, a lot of that was just for show and also for, um, you know, scuttlebutt. And, of course, that was in the very early stages of the Internet. So, like, before Facebook, you know, you had a lot of online message boards and mm-hmm. you know, that type of stuff, information being exchanged. But, you know, most of the people in the industry knew each other, were fairly friendly, would even exchange ideas, Yeah, you know, and, and that wasn't unheard of, uh, you know, so, you know, it was a good time. And, you know, now, now, you know, you look at where it is. To, I think at the time I remember us trying to get hold of various major gun companies and, you know, tr- just trying to convince them to sell a gun with a threaded barrel, you know, forget about that. Um, 
they didn't want wow. anything to do with it. And, and now, of course, look where things are. Exactly. Know? I know. So that's crazy. Where did you go from there? Like, at what point did you leave that behind? And then um, at some point, you must have started Liberty Gun Lubricants, obviously. Yeah, I uh, I started a company. I left Gemtech in, I think it was 99, 2000. I started another company uh, called Tacord, and, and we made precision rifles and suppressors. Uh, that's also where we did the sling contract for the Navy. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we did, we had quite a few CNC machines, and we were actually manufacturing components for a lot of our competitors at the time. You know, I, I knew most of the people in the industry fairly well. They knew it was, you know, safe to give us blueprints, <laughs> and we weren't going to, you know, put that information out there or steal anything from them. And, and we were running a couple shifts, making parts for everybody, mm-hmm. you know, so that was going pretty well. Um, over the course of time, we were involved in uh, a lawsuit with a partner and we ended up closing that business up, you know, which was kind of a shame, but, it, you know, here again, one of those learning lessons in life and business, Yeah, uh, you know, and any, I think anybody in this industry probably to some degree or another understands that. Mm-hmm. And then, I started doing leather work, concealed carry leather work, uh, and I still do it to some degree now, more as a side business, but I did that for quite a few years, and uh, I enjoy it quite a bit. Um, uh, as I'm getting a little older, though, I get a little more arthritis in the hands, so it's a little, little bit harder to do, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, when we uh, started the gun oil business, I realized, you know, pretty quickly that the the nice thing about this business is unlike something like, let's say suppressors or holsters or whatever, the company is not based on the celebrity of one person. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it doesn't matter, you know, if you build a good, strong foundation for your business, it doesn't matter whose name is out front. And I think for like a long-term survival, um, and, and also being able to retire someday, that's fairly important. Yeah. Um, what made you decide to start Liberty Gun Lubricants? Well, at the time, um, my daughter Casey had first started getting into competitive shooting when she was like 15 or 16. And uh, somebody that she knew had known this couple who owned the original brand Liberty Gun Lubricants. And uh, they specialized in cold weather oil. And I can't remember the exact details, but, you know, they contacted her and wanted to sponsor her. Um, They were sponsoring a couple of junior shooters at the time. And, you know, we asked them to send us some samples to try the product first. And and they did. And we liked it. And, you know, so they were her first real sponsor. And, uh, you know, great lubricant, great solvent. She's was probably shooting about a year, two years. And they got hold of me and said that uh, they probably weren't going to be able to sponsor her anymore. And I asked if there was a problem, you know, or she had done something wrong. And they said, no, they were actually thinking about closing the company up. I believe they had got into a point where they had taken it as far as they could take it. And mm-hmm. they were actually working on college degrees at the time. And I, and I think they were from a professional end, they were looking at other things. Mm-hmm. And this was more of a, a side type of business. So we sat down as a family and, and decided that we wanted to buy the brand um, from them and, and 
came to an agreement. And, you know, we started the company Liberty Lubricants LLC in Idaho in 2016. And, you know, we knew it was going to be a little bit of an uphill battle and take a couple of years to kind of get the brand more established outside of, you know, the circles that it was already established. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, at the time, too, there was just a a CLP type of lubricant and a biosolvent, and um, they work pretty well. But, you know, based on customer feedback, we decided to change a few things and expand the product line and, you know, add some greases and other types of cleaning items. And, and we're constantly expanding the brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to take a quick break real quick, talk about primary arms. Primary yeah. Arms has a huge sale going on right now, especially with optics. All open box or blemished optics are 30% off. You might be thinking, well, you know, if it's a, you know, blemish, like what does that mean? It means that it's purely cosmetic or it's packaging blemishes. Everything's fully functional. Original warranties still apply. They've got several of the versions of the SLX on sale, ranging anywhere from $120 to $140 off. It's a great opportunity to grab an optic for an even, you know, less expensive price, which I think primary arms optics as is, you know, are pretty well priced. So definitely check that out at primaryarms.com. And the great thing about this is my coupon code still applies. If you use the code AVA, that's A-V-A, you're going to get a free scope mount with every primary arms optic that you buy. Going into uh, some of the stuff that you added, well, first let's start off with what sets your brand apart from all the other lubricant companies out there? Because there are quite a few. I mean, maybe when you first yeah. bought the company, but since then it's like they're popping up everywhere. Yeah. You know, th- that's a question I just love to hate. Right. Um, you know, I, I try not to compare ourselves to other companies and, and I see what other companies are doing, obviously, but I, I don't go to any effort to look hard at what other companies are doing, mm-hmm. um, you know, other than, you know, stuff I've used in the past, just from years of being in the industry. What I try to do is I, I take a look at the problems that are out there or, or things that I've personally found in the past that I didn't like about products or customer feedback a lot. And we just uh, say, okay, well, let's, uh, how are we going to tackle this problem and try not to do what everybody else is just doing. Mm -hmm. You know, so like with our oil at the time, uh, it was uh, here again, a CLP. And the thing about CLPs is um, they have a little bit of solvent in them and it's good and it's bad because solvent actually kind of reduces your operating temperatures. So you can shoot in colder weather and also clean your firearm, but solvents also evaporate. Um, And when they evaporate, you know, you start running into issues where you don't have necessarily the the cold weather performance anymore, or depending on the base oil that that solvent was mixed with along, you know, with other chemicals and additives, uh, you know, certain lubricants might start to get sticky after a while. And I think everybody's experienced that where they'll lube up a gun, put it in the safe, and when they take it back out, uh, it's all gummed up. Mm -hmm. You know, so one of the first things I did when we decided to change the lubricant is I sought out uh, 
a tribologist. Um, you know, essentially, he's a, an oil scientist, and he had a big lab and uh, facility. And I went to him and said, "Listen, this is uh, this is what we're trying to accomplish. This is what we want to do." And uh, he mostly works in the aerospace industry. And uh, we started formulating um, based on his recommendations. And then, of course, he has an entire lab for testing. And we went through multiple iterations, different products, uh, until we kind of hit on what's now our HLP. And, uh, you know, we think it kind of gives the best of all worlds. It takes the solvent out and it relies on the base oil, which is a pure synthetic, to give us that real low temperature range, but at the same time work in a higher temperature range as well. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, we use different uh, high pressure and anti-wear additives, but we also put in, you know, anti-corrosion and oxidation additives as well. Um, and they're again to protect, you know, for rust. So, you know, as far as oils go, I mean, there's a lot of good oils out there and I think it's kind of disingenuous to say otherwise, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but we think that, uh, you know, it's not just about the oil specifically too, it's about the company and customer service and shipping and listen into your customers. So everything that we do is based on customer feedback Mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and sometimes there's customer feedback that's just little trivial nitpicking about certain things or somebody doesn't like something, but then there's somebody who does like the very thing that that person didn't like. So you have to take all that into account. And over the course of time, you know, you keep track of everything and then say, okay, well now it's time to evolve the product again. Mm -hmm. um, What kind of technologies are are out there that we can take a hard look at and, and add that into the product line or change the product and, you know, of course, uh, you know, having a tribology lab on hand <laughs> sure makes it kind of nice because, you know, we're not just uh, taking an, an existing industrial product and repackaging it, which, of course, you know, there's a lot of haters out there who just don't like the idea of gun oil. And that's what they assume everything is. And yeah. you know, I can't speak for other companies, but I know we don't do that. And I, and I doubt most of the other companies do that as well. I actually, I mean, I noticed like the auto industry seems to be creating their own lubricants yeah. and stuff like that, which I'm like, hmm, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. Well, and it's kind of funny because I, I guess it's not like they need the money, but more than likely, you know, there's probably people in, in those companies that are interested in, in the shooting sports and they, they see it as an opportunity, Yeah. you know, to expand their line and make money and, and you know, and good for them, honestly. I'm a big believer in competition. I know not everybody feels that way, but I think a lot of times more competition, the better, because it keeps you from getting lazy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you have no competition, you have no reason to try harder or to come out with better products or, you know, try to push a, a better customer experience. Cause what, you know, you don't have to. Yeah. Um, so, and that's true with any industry. So I think the more competition within reason, the better. And uh, I, I kind of welcome it. I think it's great because it keeps me on my toes and I have to think outside of the box to try to stay ahead of other people. And here again, not so much as a direct, my stuff is better than their stuff, but it's like, what does my customer perceive and yeah. what do they want? And in the end, it's the customer spending his dollar 
that decides, you know, who, who wins or who potentially loses. Mm-hmm. And it's not like there's not enough shooters out there to go around for all the companies, truthfully. Yeah, actually, I mean, that's actually a really good way to put it and to, you know, see just the commercial side of everything. Yeah. Like a good yeah, outlook, I guess. And absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think you got to, you know, if you if you run a business and, and you spend a lot of time concerned with your competitors or, or trying to tear down your competitors, all that really is saying is your product you don't sucks. believe in your own product. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, and, and if somebody comes out with something better and I've got customers coming to me and saying, hey, I love your stuff, but man, this stuff is really great. OK, I need to think about that. Yeah. <laughs> and and what do I need to do to make it better? Um, yeah. You know, in a few years back, you, you probably remember there was a whole lot of scuttlebutt on the industry about a, an oil, a gun oil that was pretty popular. And somebody did some testing on it and they were like, oh, it's canola oil. And there was another one where it's like, oh, it's it's made from coconut oil, and, <laughs> you know, and, and some other companies jumped on that bandwagon and were all attacking because, you know, they saw, you know, the, the, the blood in the water. And, and truthfully, in the end, it just hurts. It, it hurts everybody's reputations. And then the customers don't really have good information to go on. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah. know, if you want, you know, it's like, oh, well. You know, a bio-based oil is made with canola, rapeseed oil, or coconut oil. Well, if the customer wants a bio product, guess what? You got to have a bio-based oil to start with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but the people who did this testing and spread this information, what they weren't mentioning was, gee, what are the additives? Yeah, exactly. For, you know, and they call it a package. You know, it's like, oh, well, there's just trace amounts of, you know, these other chemicals. Well, yeah, those trace amounts of those other chemicals are kind of what's important. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like if you take an anti-corrosion additive, you can only put just so much in there before it starts becoming detrimental to the lubricant itself. You know, so you have these small performance packages. And it's the same thing with, you know, any, any lubrication industry, you put in performance packages or separate uh, components based on the industry that you're trying to provide the lubrication for. So like when people say, oh, well, I can just go buy mobile one and put it in a bottle because that's all it is anyway. Well, you know, mobile one is designed to work under compression inside of an enclosed space. It's not the same as, you know, being exposed uh, components on a firearm. Mm -hmm. You know, so, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there. And, you know, I think typically speaking, uh, you know, companies don't have to pat each other on the back, but at the same time, they shouldn't spend a whole lot of time attacking each other because oh, yeah. they need to be more concentrated on what they're doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I agree. So are your products, they're non-toxic and non-hazardous, right? Yes. Yes. So, exa- I mean, so that's all, I mean, that's good because like, let's say kids get right. into it, it's not going yes. to harm them. But also, you know, I'm curious. So if I was stuck on a deserted island and I happen to have your products, I mean, could I like if if I had nothing else to eat, could I eat your products? Well, I mean, yeah, you could. They don't have a lot of nutritional value. But if you were constipated from the stress, it would definitely help you out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's good to know. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and and, uh, it, it. 
everything that we formulate is non-toxic and non-hazardous and uh, falls within the range of non-flammable mm-hmm. for normal transportation use. If it was ingested, it's not going to be toxic to you. It's not going to cause problems. If any kind of lubricant that you were to swallow would act as a laxative, uh, and here again, you, you can buy laxatives that are made from certain types of oils. Um, hmm. You know, so that's what it would do. But you know, I tell people it's perfectly safe. If somebody accidentally ingests it, there's not going to be an issue. But at the same time, it's like what would happen if you drank a whole bottle of vinegar yeah. or, or a whole bottle of hot sauce? You know, you're, you're probably going to wish you didn't. Yeah, um, that makes sense. You know, the human, yeah, the human body's just not used to you know those types of levels of something in them, whether it's toxic or not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. but if little little Johnny gets to dad's uh, gun cleaning bench and takes a swig of HLP or, you know, one of our solvents, well, you know, he's probably just going to, you know, have the shits and that's going to be about it. Yeah. <laughs> so. And that'll be his punishment. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Exactly. So I'm taking another quick break real quick talking about IWI. Okay. So if you're looking for a good full-size pistol, one of my favorites is the Masada. I actually just shot it recently, let's see, three days ago when I went on the range and put a red dot on it. And I believe it's actually, what did I do? I put the Holocene. Oh, no, I put the, what's it, the Vulcan. So it's primary arms, red dot, but it's housed by Holocene's uh, little, you know, like the frame, if that makes sense. And it's green. Mine was green. I think you have the option of green or red. And it was actually really cool. It also has like a a circle on the outside. So if you see the outer circle, it's great for training because if you see the outer circle, then you're like, okay, well, you know, you're obviously not aiming your optic, you know, on target and stuff like that. But anyways, yeah, so that was the first time using that. Put it on my Masada. The Masada, I think, is just like awesome. It has really nice ergonomics. I had my friend Danielle shoot it. She really enjoyed it. It has interchangeable backstrap so you know if you have bigger or smaller hands you could adjust it they're optic ready and it comes with plates for all of the most popular red dots quite a few that it'll fit on fully ambidextrous comes with 17 round magazines and msrp on that is actually only 480 dollars so definitely a great gun for the cost and then while you're there so if you want to check out that gun at IWI.us. And while you're there, you see any accessories that you like, don't forget to use the coupon code GUNFUNNY15, and that is going to get you 15% off that order. Yeah, definitely jump on that. Okay, getting back to the show, one thing that I wanted to bring up that I noticed that you do, and it looks really cool, is is it every, like, annually you have, like, a big shoot, and you make a bunch of food, and you have people compete Yes. Yeah. It's the uh, Liberty Lubricants uh, Parma team match in Idaho every fall. Okay. So what it is, it's a, it's an outlaw team three gun match. So every team consists of three shooters. There's no divisions. Any and all firearms can be used. Uh, There's no real rules per se, other than, you know, just be safe. Yeah. So what we do is we set up these, uh, we take over the whole range in Parma, Idaho for this match. It's a pretty extensive range. And I think uh, there's about 
I think eight stages on average over two days, but a stage actually will take up anywhere from two to four normal size bays. Uh, wow. And so some of the stages are melee stages where, you know, there's literally up to a hundred plus targets on a stage and you'll have the three shooters, you know, break out and one guy may be shooting shotgun, another pistol or PCC, the other rifle for a long distance. And then that when one is done clearing their targets, they can move on to help the other shooter. Um, the other thing is uh, you don't have to reload. Everybody brings all their guns. And so you can pile all your guns out there and, and the quickest reload is another gun. Um, wow. So it's just, it's a lot of fun. And then uh, we also have relay stages where, uh, and these are definitely the ones that are typically split up amongst several bays. So one shooter will go in and clear all of their targets, and then they have to relay up to a, a rally point, uh, tag their teammate, and then they go on, you know, to the next level, and and then so forth, and and that's how it goes through. And originally, it started out as a one-day match years ago, um, and another company at the time was sponsoring it, and. Um, my daughter had shot it a couple times and really loved it. And we were sponsoring it with prize table stuff. And I had heard that the other company wasn't going to be sponsoring it anymore. So I went to the guy who ran the range and said, Hey, you know, we'd love to pick this up. You know, it's right in our backyard anyway. And, uh, you know, this is all about fun. And, and, you know, uh, people are of course out there competing, but everybody's having a really good time. And so we kind of wanted to make it our thing. And, um, they were very receptive and we discussed turning it into a two day match. They kind of spread it out a little bit. And one of the things we do is the sponsor besides you know putting stuff on the prize table is every Saturday night, which is the first day of shooting, we put on a huge barbecue and I personally haul all the cooking equipment out there um, usually on Friday night. And, and I cook everything on Saturday myself. So we've done everything from big barbecues with smoked brisket and pulled pork. Uh, one year we did a big taco feed. This year it was grilled chicken. We'll usually bring out kegs of beer um, or a bottle beer. And everybody gets to come down after shooting and spend a few hours at the green. And people camp there as well and, and have dinner and unwind and, and bullshit and you know, talk with people because during the match and with any match, you very seldom do you get time to really chat with people because you're so tied up with shooting and being prepared. And then also it's a good opportunity for any companies that are sponsoring it or, or also shooting the match to, to hang out with people and talk to them. And, you know, uh, I, one of the things I've seen sponsoring matches is there's become kind of a disconnect between the companies that sponsor it and the shooters. And I feel that it doesn't benefit anybody. So by doing having a fun match like this, it creates a situation where, you know, people are kind of getting together and talking to each other and knowing each other and, and knowing that, that these people who run these smaller companies and even larger companies that, that sponsor these matches are people too, you know, they're, they're shooters and they're just not some rich guy sitting up in some corporate somewhere, you know, putting some hand-me-downs on the prize table. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes you, you see that kind of attitude. People think that that's what's happening. And it's not, this is, you know, when companies sponsor matches, they're putting product out there. They're putting money out there. 
and a lot of times they don't see anything in return for it in, in a quantifiable kind of way. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons why we like to do it this way, because it, it allows people, you know, to get to know each other, because I, I think uh, personal interaction is pretty important. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's really so, cool that you do that. Yeah, it, it, and it's it's a pretty unique match. Um, a, a lot of people, especially like with the last two years with, you know, COVID, a lot of matches have been canceled or money's been tight for people and ammo has been tight. And I've had quite a few people who came to that match tell me that they specifically skipped other big matches to save the ammo just so they could shoot this match. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that means a lot to me that people enjoy it that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and here again, a couple of people I know that are like really serious competitors that when they're going to a regular three gun or USPSA match, you know, they've told me that they love this match because they can go out, they can compete hard, have fun. But at the same time, it's about having fun. Yeah. It's not necessarily about winning per mm-hmm. se, because if you come out and have a good time, you are winning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I totally agree with that. All right. What do you have in store as far as like future plans? I'm assuming that you're going to go to SHOT Show? Yeah, yeah. We have a booth at SHOT Show this year. We're on level, I think, level one booth uh, 41, 41.3. And, uh, you know, this will be our first year there with a full booth. Uh, a couple of years ago, we did the SHOT Show preview um, when they had opened it up to new vendors. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we got a, nice, a 10 by 20 down there and... Um, you know, we'll be showing off, uh, obviously, some of our mainstay products, our compact cleaning kits, which we were going to, you know, uh, show off at uh, SHOT 2021, or yeah, 2021, which never happened. You know, those are out there. But here again, a lot of people, you know, still don't even know about them. So we'll definitely be uh, showing those off. Uh, yeah, actually, I really our, like those. Our, and they're caliber good. specific. So it's like, you're not, you know, carrying around a bunch of other stuff that you don't need for other guns. It's well, like, okay, you know, especially a lot of times I go to the range, I just have nine millimeter guns with me. So why right, do I have to carry around right. tools for, you know, shotgun, rifle, all these other calibers right. and, right. you know. And, and that's why we, that's why we did that. Cause you know, anybody who's been shooting for a long time has bought cleaning kits has a lot of components from cleaning kits left over that they've never used. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, it's great. Oh, I got this big, great cleaning kit. And now, you know, 10 years later, yeah. And here's a bunch of it just sitting there, you know, that I don't even know what to do with. Um, So we, we built these kits for two reasons. One, it's just what you need. And instead of putting, like little tiny sample sizes of chemicals in there. You know, we put the one ounce solvent, one ounce oil, and the full syringe of grease instead of like little uh, tear ketchup packet styles of grease you see. Mm-hmm. And a lot less messy. And, and why not put in a full size one? We put uh, three caliber brushes in there. So you've got enough stuff in there to clean guns for a while. And it's easy to fill back out if, if you want. You can toss an extra caliber set of brushes in there and handle two firearms. But what it's also handy for, you know, talking to retailers, especially over the last year with the plethora of new gun owners and especially a lot of women shooters, it's their first time owning a gun and they'll, okay, what do I need to clean this and maintain this firearm? Mm -hmm. And if you just walk over to any gun store or big 
box store and you look at the section that has firearms cleaning stuff, it's kind of overwhelming. There's so much to choose from, so many brands. And we thought, you know what, let's put together, you know, this kit that's very specific. So I buy a 38 or a nine millimeter. It's my first handgun. I can buy this kit, everything I need to sufficiently clean that firearm and keep it maintained is in there. And then if there's a few little extra things that I might personally decide I like, there's a little bit of room in that container to throw those things in there. Mm -hmm. So, and and it's easy to refill. So we'll be expanding those out right now. We offer those in nine, 40, 45 and the five, five, six rifle. And, uh, the nine millimeter and the five five six have a few extra components in them for AR-15s and PCCs, and then uh, you know we'll be expanding those out to shotgun calibers and other rifle calibers as well. So nice. Uh, okay. Also, our new biosolvent will be really pushing that hard at the show. That's a, a fantastic solvent uh, that we developed in house and you know mix and bottle in house. And it's uh, out of everything I've ever played with and, and tried, uh, this is one of the best solvents I've ever had at cutting carbon down. So I, I think it's going to become very, very popular. Yeah. But we'll promote that. And, and of course, the big thing with SHOT Show is, you know, attracting more dealers. We don't, we don't sell through distributors right now. So, we're, you know, we're either direct to the consumer or direct to the dealer. And, you know, we want dealers to be able to, you know, stock our products, whether it's on their own display or on a display we can provide them. And uh, not only sell their customers a good quality product at a fair price, but also at the same time, allow that dealer to make money, you know, because that's kind of what we're in business for is, is to make a profit. Mm-hmm. Here again, like I told you at the beginning, you know, um, I learned a long time ago that the firearms isn't where you're really making your money. That's that's the thing to get people in the door. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, so if 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 people love their local gun shop, you know what? Spend a little money on some of those accessories at that gun shop because yeah. that's how they're making a living and paying the rent and feeding their families. That's not the gun. Yeah, that's definitely awesome and absolutely right. Jim, you actually, you created a code that will give listeners, is it 20% off? Yeah, that's correct. 20% off. Yeah. And then uh, uh, the code is just simply AVA, A-V-A. And if they go to either libertygunlube.com or liblube.com, they can uh, purchase our products and at checkout, just put your code in the uh, in the coupon code section and it'll give them that discount automatically. Okay, cool. And then if they want to follow you on social media, what is your social media handles? Oh, um, on Instagram, it's just Liberty Lubricants, I believe. And on Facebook, it's Liberty Gun Lube slash Liberty Lubricants. Okay. Yeah, but I'm, it, I'm assuming it's, it's all on your website as well, right? There's it, like links. It is. It is. Yeah. There, there's links on the website. Okay. You know, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to keep track of all that oh, stuff. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> Tell me about it. All right. Well, moving forward with the rest of the show... Caldwell. I know I keep talking about it, but remember, you guys want to protect your ears. Hearing damage is definitely permanent. So, you know, protect it so you don't lose it. Caldwell has a bunch of options depending on what you're, you know, up to and your preferences. 
They have passive and electronic with Bluetooth ones like the Emacs Pro. Those are as low as $49.99 and a ton of others to choose from. The Emacs Shadows, which are kind of like Apple iPods that protect your ears, are $164.99. And let's see, they also have some that they come in different colors. I actually I have a whole bin of them at this point, and I just kind of wear it depending on this is going to sound so stupid, but depending on the season, because <laughs> I have like <laughs> some that I'm like, well, they're not really winter colors, but you know, they're awesome for summer. Also right now, if you spend $200 or more, you're going to get a free 66% Ipsic AR500 target, and that will be automatically added to your cart. Definitely check them out at caldwellshooting.com. Remember, if it's your first order, use the code GUNFUNNY10, and that is going to get you 10% off. Today in politics. Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's political AF. ATF, they are saying that they processed 500,000 comments in two weeks. But there was a leak to Gun Owners of America this week stating that the ATF has finished reviewing all public comments received for the proposed rulemaking changes on pistol braces and firearm definition. It was previously disclosed that ATF had a team of 50 employees working on processing the comments, and they started on October 1st. According to the leaked documents, the ATF verified they finished processing all comments two weeks ago. The number of comments that they stated they processed were 500,000, which is actually 50,000 less than what was submitted to the federal registrar, but without looking at what happened to those other 50,000, this leaves an incredible amount of paperwork to be processed. The ATF supposedly developed a new system to process comments after the bump stock rule change, but details have not been made public. They're saying that in the two-week period, each of the 50 agents processed 1,000 comments a day or 125 comments an hour, which seems pretty impossible even if you are a quick reader um especially if you're going to you know give any fair attention to you know what you just read granted you know let's give them the benefit of the doubt there's probably a lot of form letters as well as shorter comments but a lot of us like myself posted a big you know big responses with legal details that they clearly couldn't have time to examine in detail at an average or less than half a minute per comment even the shortest ones i saw would take at least that long Amolan, they set up a test where they read comments. They were able to get up to 96 comments per hour where they clicked a button to indicate positive or negative without any breaks. They said it's unlikely that anyone can maintain that pace for eight hours a day, though, which I would agree with. That means that at best, the ATF is just boiling it down to a positive or negative view of the rule and likely not looking at the legal arguments presented by citizens. It did come out, however, that the majority of the submitted comments were against the new rules, but no statistics have been released yet. FOIA requests, Freedom of Information Act, have been filed to get more information. The ATF is now supposed to take input from the comments into account in revising the rules or continuing with them as planned. I don't think anyone believes that they're going to cancel plans altogether. And Gun Owners of America and other groups are already prepping for legal challenges to the proposed rules. I don't know. Just such yeah, a, what a bunch what a, of what a mess. <laughs> I know. I know. Not to mention, well, I mean, you could see how many comments were submitted right up until the last second that it was like the oh, cutoff, yeah. you know? Oh, oh, absolutely. Well, you know, and 
I mean, I've been in this industry long enough to know when stuff like this comes up with ATF, I mean, they could really care less. Honestly, mm -hmm. they, they don't care about barrel lengths and whether a brace is being used against the shoulder or 80% of the receivers. It's more about just trying to control all of this and, and whether they really follow through just depends on the amount of flack that they catch. You know, mm -hmm. when I first started out in the industry, you, you didn't dare, especially in NFA, you didn't dare second guess the ATF, um, you know, without fear of being raided. And, and now you see companies suing them, yeah. um, you know, which just was unheard of, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And, and I think it's just real simple. The more pressure people put on and, you know, going, going and putting comments is great, but the truth is, you got to be raising a shitstorm on social media and you need to be calling your representatives, not only on the federal level, but on the state levels as well mm -hmm. and make a lot of noise. So they're making noise because those people want to be reelected. Yeah. Know? And if they put enough pressure on the ATF, the ATF will back down and, and they've proven that they will. So, yeah, no, you know, I absolutely all, agree. All, I think, I think wherever we politics. can, like wherever we can, you know, make a stand, whether it is writing. Cause it also was annoying me that so many people were like, Oh, I'm not even going to bother doing that. And yeah, then, right. you know, and the things like this come out and you're like, well, but obviously, you know, there's power in numbers regardless. So if there is, you know, 500 or 550,000 comments, I mean, that's still yeah. people that are oh. taking a stand and voicing an opinion, whether they're for or against it. Absolutely. And people should, you know, it's kind of like with the bump stock thing originally, and I see it with the brace issue. People are like, oh, well, you know, I don't care about that. And, you know, it doesn't affect me directly or, oh, just, you know, uh, form your gun into a sharp barrel rifle or what have you. And they're, and they're missing the whole point. It's got mm -hmm. nothing to do with that. It's yeah. got to do with more and more and more control. And, you know, growing up in New York, I know a lot of people that are not pro-gun. Mm -hmm. And I had one friend say, well, you know, don't you think we should just compromise? And I said, you know, no. the gun industry has been compromising mm -hmm. for 100 years. And the only thing I'm seeing is us losing more and more rights. That's not compromise. That's appeasement. You know, so so people got to nut up a little bit and, and start standing up for themselves or, or, or they're going to lose the rights for everything, not just firearms. Yeah, I agree. All right. Moving forward. Manicore Arms. No matter what gun you have, if it's threaded and you're not running suppressed, you definitely need a night break. I think it looks great, but most importantly, it's super effective. The 18 port design reduces both muzzle rise and recoil reduction and doesn't have ports on the underside to prevent dust kicking up if you're shooting in prone. Manicore Arms makes it in a bunch of different thread pitches, half by 28, 5 eighths by 24 for all of your ARs and other guns in 7.62 or smaller diameter. They also have the odd metric ones for like AKs and the Yugo Crank. They're one of my favorite. Like I said, they're only $64.95. But if you use the code AVOROX15, which is all one word, you will get 15% off. And that is at manicorearms.com. Today's question is, I saw you shoot the Uzi. Was it everything you imagined? Yeah, so they're talking about the IWI Uzi, and I did have a chance to shoot that. Originally, actually, somebody asked if I was going to put an optic on it, and originally, I was just going to like shoot it using the iron sights, and I got to say, after shooting it, I was like, okay, this is the most uncomfortable, like, 
here you are shouldering it, trying to look like line up those sites. And I was like, I don't even know what the hell I'm looking at right now. It feels like my, you know, my like neck is cranked and I'm in an odd position. And yeah, so long story short, I am definitely going to be putting an optic on it. I don't think, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know how it could be comfortable really for anyone to shoot it using the irons. And, and that's the micro, isn't it? Uh, it's the, what, what used to be the Uzi pistol. Yeah. Yeah. No? So it's the pistol. Yeah. It's the pistol. Yeah. And then I got, I opted for the one with the brace. They have an SB tactical right. brace on it, but I don't right. know. I mean, now looking back, I'm like, I wonder if I should have just got the pistol. Yeah. That probably would have been I better. Have of, I've got like one of the original ones when it was IMI and uh, put on a mini Uzi side folding stock and short barrel rivaled it many years ago. And mm-hmm. you know, it's a fun, it's a fun little gun. It really is. But I, I look at that new one and I look at the brace on it and oh man, the brace just, is just huge. Yeah, it just doesn't look like it kind of matches up. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a neat gun overall, but I I don't know. You think they could have done something a little bit more like the original, yeah. you know, Uzi side folder with a brace attachment on it. So, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I you know, like a cal, so cal hook or something like that. Mm-hmm, I know. So I was thinking the same thing, and I know JMac Customs they make something that's a little bit better looking, which I'm surprised because I mean I'm a big fan of SB Tactical, but I really. Yeah. I really don't think that that brace looks good on it. So I was thinking about changing it out or just taking it off altogether, which is still legal to do. But yeah, as far as shooting it, I don't know. I got to I gotta go back to the workbench. I got to look at it. I got to make some adjustments and then I'm going to take it back out to the range. So catch me in the future when I'm back at the range and I've made those adjustments and then we'll talk. <laughs> yeah, that'll be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Tacti Talk. Tacti Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. Another Snowbird gun manufacturer. Recently, news came out that Smith & Wesson, which has been enduring the cold, harsh climate of Massachusetts, especially towards firearms, is relocating into a warmer and more welcoming state in Tennessee. This week, Remington also announced that it was moving south to get away from New York. If you guys don't remember, Remington actually emerged from bankruptcy last year with the company broken up and split between seven companies. Initially, when I heard that Remington was moving, I was like, wait, that's weird because Federal owns Remington Ammunition. And then I was like, oh, yeah, because it's obviously, you know, it's seven different entities now. So the part that's moving is the original Remington company, which is you'd probably know this. Is it Ilion, New York? Yeah, Ilion. Uh-huh. OK, because I have never heard of Ilion. I'm assuming yeah, it's upstate. Yeah. It's up, uh, I believe it's like closer towards like Binghamton in the lower tier, I believe. Okay. Or Southern tier. Gotcha. Yeah. I was, I could actually, I'm really proud of myself because I could like pronounce all of the weird uh, little, <laughs> you know, little like counties in Long Island and stuff. Cause yeah. you know, I mean, Long Island. So it's, it's like super native American. So all the names are just like, yes. you know, I don't know, but I always like prided myself. But then again, my parents are both from Long Island and oh. then having, were you going to say, ask what part? Y- yeah. What part? Wantawa, which I can't say that without saying the, like, what would I say? Wanta. Uh, Wanta. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, yeah. I got, I got a lot of family out in Valley Stream, New York. Okay. Yeah. So I have, yeah. um, I have a grandma who's in Valley Stream. 
oh, okay, yeah, yeah. We used to spend a lot of time out there and on weekends and stuff. It's always kind of fun. I always going yeah. out to the island. I always really enjoyed it. My boyfriend, well, he's not my boyfriend anymore. He's actually married to some like girl who doesn't speak English who has like huge <laughs> fake boobs, but whatever, you know, <clears throat> I'm not, you know, I always thought he liked me for my, you know, my brains, but I guess not. <laughs> but yeah, so he had a house in Dix Hills and we'd always go out there on the weekends and I always enjoyed it because it was just kind of yeah. nice to get out of the city. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, once you get out of the city, New York is great. It's just a shame it's in New York. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyway, so Remington Company, the one that I'm talking about, which is in Ilion, New York, that includes their rifle, shotgun, and pistol portion of the business. And Roundhill Group was the winning bidder that acquired Remington. And in the relocation, they're planning on spending $100 million on the new headquarters and along with manufacturing and R&D in Troop County, Georgia. That's kind of cool. And obviously, yeah. you know, better politics. So. Both yes, of these companies, yeah. I'm glad that they're kind of getting out of these like, because honestly, so at the end of the day, um, they're saying that like this by relocating, they're actually going to be creating 856 jobs, which is great because that's just like oh, more people that you're employing. But like, why not? If you're going to put money back into the community, why not put it into a community that typically supports guns? That's how I yeah, see it. Which is so. something they should have probably done years ago if they could have. Yeah. Uh, you know, New York has been so anti-gun for so long it's just ridiculous to pump money oh i know economy. even so i mean i know governor cuomo resigned but he did yeah. sign a law that would allow suing fire manufacturers for the actions of criminals that alone which is totally illegal yeah and and actually i think nssf is working on you know suing them for that but i mean it's yeah. just like yeah, it's it's like you really don't want to be in those states because they're very hostile towards gun manufacturers oh. Oh, or anyone yeah. in the industry well, for that matter. Well, you know, if you look at New York and New York City specifically, um, how many people they've caught up in their little anti-gun dragnet from other states when they're traveling through the state. And then, you know, gangbangers and criminals get caught with guns and, and they're kicked out to the street literally the same day. And what it really boils down to, it's, you know, the justice system in New York is all about money. And, you know, so if you're from out of state and you're a law abiding citizen, the last thing you want to do is spend time in prison in New York. So you're going to spend the money it takes to get out of that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, your typical gangbanger who doesn't care if he spends a couple months in jail, you know, what's what's the point? So, you know, it's, it's here again, it's just uh, very hostile you know, towards gun owners in general, but specifically legal gun owners. And that, that's a real problem. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. GSM outdoors. I just actually recently posted a video of me shooting at the Texas star from Birchwood Casey. This is my second time shooting it, which is so much fun. And I used to see those and it was, it would look like so intimidating to me because I'm like, Oh, it's moving and you gotta, you know, but it's actually like much easier than you would think. As long as you have like a decent aim, I definitely have to work on my speed, but I would, a lot of times when I go to the shoot, like the shooting range, I'm not really, I really should train better but a lot of times it's just more for just like leisure like yeah whatever and if people right. think that i got the sponsorships that i got it's not because of my shooting skills <laughs> i'm not really sure what exactly it is but i can tell you right now it's not for my shooting skills 
But one of the things that I love about the Texas Star from Birchwood Casey is it's only $349, which is one of the most affordable Texas stars on the market. It is a little bit smaller than some of the stuff that I've seen. But, you know, if you're just wanting to get your feet wet and kind of, you know, try it out, I would definitely recommend looking at that one. They also have a bunch of other steel. They have paper targets, reactive shoot and see targets. Uh, so definitely check out all of that stuff. The best is that you're going to get 20% off. And this code is good at any time. Just use GUNFUNNY20. And you can use it at birchwoodkc.com as well as any other GSM brand products. Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome, as f- Never mind. AF. All right, AF segment. I couldn't choose between, it was either or, and I was like, you know what? Both of these are kind of smaller segments, so I'm just going to go with both. But this week, two crazy stories involving flames. First, a man in upstate New York, he burst into flames. His name was Jason Jones. He was in Catskill, which wouldn't you say it was in the Catskills? Yes, I would think. Yeah, I don't know. I read that and I was like, uh, but okay, whatever. He was in Catskill, upstate New York. Uh, drunk, disorderly. It wasn't the first time that he's been in trouble with the local police. Officers were afraid that he was going to hurt himself, which I'm not sure what he was doing at the time, but they used a taser on him to subdue him. The problem was he had doused himself in hand sanitizer beforehand. (laughs) So the hand sanitizer burst into flames, causing severe burns. So it wasn't clear if the officers had seen him dousing himself in hand sanitizer before they tased him, but definitely pretty crazy. And, you know, and that, that's one thing I wanted to cover because now with everyone using hand sanitizer, yeah. you know, it's oh, like yeah. everywhere you go, it's like before you even enter a building, they ask you to put hand sanitizer. So it's like, yeah, yeah. just be careful where you put that stuff. Yeah, it's just gel rub and alcohol. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The second Oops. crazy story that happened this week. So a man in Colorado, I think he was actually in Boulder, Colorado, uh, decided to clear away some cobwebs under the crawl space at his mom's house. He thought that a blowtorch would be a quick, easy way to clear them out. Sounds okay. I get it. <laughs> so, of course, he set the house on fire and stupidly tried for an hour to put the fire out by himself until they called, you know, the fire department. Fire crews arrived, put out the fire, but he had already caused nearly 100000 in damage. He was also under a court order not to be within 100 feet of the house or his mom, who actually broke that rule by letting him stay with her because he was homeless. He also happened to have a bunch of like, well, not a bunch, but I don't know how much, but he actually, he also happened to have meth on him. Uh, so he was arrested for that as well as arson. Yeah. Guys, moral of the story, don't play with fire. And, yeah. you know, especially don't play with things that are, you know, easy to like, uh, what is it called? They're combustible. <laughs> yeah. Like just freaking use common sense. <laughs> Those guys are definitely going to be up for the Darwin Award. That's uh, for sure. <laughs> I know. Sometimes I just think I'm like, just let the people do it. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we all do some stupid shit sometimes, but some people are experts at it. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. <laughs> all right. As far as iTunes reviews. So actually we're all out. There's no more to read. If you guys haven't left a review, please do so. You have an opportunity to win a prize pack, which I am excited to say that I just sent them out yesterday. I was a little behind because of my home construction going on that ruined three months of my life, but things are better now. And 
I'm all caught up on, you know, sending out those prize packs and yeah. So if you guys have been waiting for a while, I apologize, but they did just all get sent out yesterday. If you enjoy listening to the show and you want to contribute, even if it's like a one-time donation, you should consider becoming a Patreon. All you have to do is, or you don't have to become a patron. Like I said, it's, it could be a one-time donation. Just go to gunfunny.com, click on the support the show link. It also gives you access to our patron only Facebook page or a group, which is a lot of fun. Lots of really good people in there. I usually go live, usually drunk. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good time. It's actually like I put more in that group like about my real self than I would like on my right. personal Facebook. Cause I'm like, eh, there's too many people now watching and especially some of my sponsors on there. So we're like, yep, sugarcoat it, sugarcoat it. But in the group, I'm yeah. just like, yeah, let my hair loose. Say what you want. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's definitely a good group of people. Also blown deadlines, giving away a $300 gift certificate to a lucky patron every month. And he does awesome Cerakote jobs. And uh want to thank the $25 Patreon. So Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran, 8888, Sake Holsters, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Sportsman's Guide, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Callamore, and Melissa Ridings. And King of the Patreon, still Jon Snow. He wants me to say that the only reason the Texans lost the Alamo was that Operator Tickles hadn't been born yet. <laughs> and you know who Tickles is, right? We're friends on Facebook. Tickles is my dog. Yep, sure, sure. Yep, yep. I, I love him with the little vest. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so funny. So the Gundies that's coming up, she just got nominated for most dapper, which is funny oh, because no <laughs> dapper is actually more of a male type thing. Yeah. Yeah, and typically. so I'm like, poor Tickles. She's going to have so many, so many issues. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, I was happy that they even put her on. So can't complain. No, t- Tickles is awesome. She's the cutest. Jim, thank you once again for joining me on the show oh. today. And you definitely have a really yeah. impressive story. I actually learned a lot about you today. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. So can you just remind people where to go on your website? And again, what that code uh, for twenty percent off is. Yes, uh, they can go to libertygunlube.com or liblube.com, and uh, when they place a purchase, when they get to check out, just put AVA AVA in the uh, section for discount codes, and they'll get a twenty percent discount on their first order. All right, awesome. And on that note, guys, I am out of here. I'm off to vacation, but I will see you back next week, and hopefully, be well rested and. Maybe get a little sun in the meantime. Enjoy that. (laughs) Thanks. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.